Thank you, Paul and Leslie, and uh, good to see you all here today. Trust you're having a great beginning of the week. Sounds like a lot of response going on there. That's great. <laughs> you are here, you're alive, you're living, right? Well, let's take our Bibles then and let's turn to John and wake up. How about that? John chapter 11, and we'll start in verse 1. John chapter 11. We find another one of the I am's. We've been looking at the I am's that Jesus has declared himself to be. And today we look at uh, another one. I am the resurrection and the life. A powerful section that we find here in God's Word. John chapter 11, and we'll read from verses 1 uh, through verse 44. John chapter 11, beginning now, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus, of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister, Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples said unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. But I go, that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he be asleep, he shall do well. However, I'm sorry, howbeit Jesus spake of his death, that they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I am not there. To the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. And Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yes, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which, hath come into, that sh which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come, and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came, which came with her. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. Some of them said, Could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? And Jesus therefore again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, Take you away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead for four days. And Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? 
Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. May God add a special blessing to the reading of his word. And let us just pause for prayer prior to the beginning of our study. Father God, we again thank you for the opportunity we have to hold and to read and to study and to have the word speak to us. We would ask today that you would have all of us, our minds, our souls, our wills, everything that makes us who we are. We would ask that you would open the book to us. The Holy Spirit would exclusively be our teacher, our leader, our guide, and consoler. Father, we thank you for the power that is packed within your word. We thank you that Jesus is life. We thank you, Father, that you cared enough before you made anything, as it speaks in Ephesians 1.4, that before anything was made, you had chosen us in Christ. Amazing for you to show your love and to have it in completely in place before anything was made. It speaks magnitudes of the love that you have for each one of us. Now, Father, take the word and minister to our hearts that our relationship today will be, as, will be as extravagant as it's ever been, as close as close could be. Well, thank you for what you're going to accomplish, because you are God, and we want you to be glorified, and for us to become better. These things we ask in Christ's name. Well, we're really raising to the level of a life journey, if you will, the, the ministry journey. Maybe that's a better way. For three years, Jesus walked and talked and made his case known to literally the world. As he traveled across the nation Israel, there were decisions that needed to be made. There were decisions in regards to who is this man? John the Baptist, who was the forerunner, he was the one that was the one lighting the way, if you will. And when he first saw him, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. <laughs> That's quite a statement. And it was, that was a revelation, literally, to John that spoke, speaks to us today, even. Seeing the power of this Messiah walking the earth. I'm wondering how many people would miss Jesus today if he was walking as a contemporary of us. I'm fairly certain a fair amount. A fair amount. He came humbly. He came honestly. He came without a lot of fanfare. In fact, the first people of which the angels spoke to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Emmanuel, God with us. Think of that. God with us. Oh! That's why Jesus came. <laughs> to show all that God was to us, living amongst us, and then literally dying for us. And the first ones to know were shepherds. Shepherds. But this Jesus now was getting on a climax. He was either being believed and accepted or denied and hated. The religious leaders have made, already made up their minds, but this event right now would be the pinnacle. This is the highest level, literally, of Jesus Christ bringing all of his miraculous power to a focal point of which what will they do with Jesus? Did you see even... This is something that's interesting. He even asked Martha, do you believe? <laughs> He's asking the question around the world today. Do you believe in the evidence that is before you? The giver of life, the creator of life, life itself is not on trial here. We're as this miracle is set up amongst friends, friends of his that we actually uh, find uh, back in Luke chapter 10, I believe it is. Uh, let's turn there. I hope I'm right. If not, uh, it'll, it'll be close. Luke chapter 10, where we're introduced, if you will, to 
to this family. Friends, but they became friends of Jesus. Luke chapter 10, let's just read in verse 38. You find some of the dynamics, the personality differences between, between Martha and Mary. Luke chapter 10 at verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She had a sister named, I'm sorry, she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. I want to stop there for a moment. Did your, did your mother or your father, when they said your name twice, did it have a little more of a ring to it? Yeah. Larry, Larry. <laughs> and my mother would be laughing. Back there because When it was said twice, and again, you got the middle name thing, that was a whole nother level. But Larry Dwight Melhoff. Now that's when you knew you were in deep, deep trouble. But even, even if there's a sense of getting it together and... Uh, Jesus. Now, this is nonetheless, this is Jesus saying to Martha. Now, Martha's all in, she's all hyped up and she can't serve by herself. And this is, this is pretty amazing. Now, she's invited Jesus to come to her house, right? Think of that. I want, I want you, I want you to see the personality of this gal. She's, she's a fired up, controlling kind of a little gal. And Jesus is sitting down and literally Mary, the younger sister, is sitting there just soaking. Now, you'll find even in the dialogue we have today, Mary is not a woman of very many words. She's a soaker. She's receiving. She's literally at the feet of Jesus on that day, and she is listening to the master. And here comes Martha. Jesus, tell that sister of mine to help me. Right? She missed it all. And he said, Martha, Martha, Martha. No, it was just two times, right? But do you, do you get it right, don't you? Don't you get it? It's exactly right. He, it's like he's trying to cut through all of it. And he, really, let's get to what things are really important. I think that would be good for us today in the land in which we find ourselves living. Let's get to the real stuff. Let's cut through to the things that really make a difference. What's eternal? I'm so afraid that so many people will mortgage the future to gain the temporary. That happens, doesn't it? Jesus wants, him to, wants people to see on this climactic event to literally focus on him. Now, there's a, the key verse to John. We find in, let's go back to John if you're not there. Turn with me back to John chapter 20 and verse 31. If you were going to ask or to seek and search for the most important, the pinnacle verse in the book of John, this would be it. This is why John wrote the book. John, well, he wrote it because the Holy Spirit inspired him, and he was commanded to. But John chapter 20, and let's look at verses 30 and 31. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, that is, Christos, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing, you might have life through his name. That's literally what John's all about. John, the disciple, wrote the book of John to get people to give evidence so that they would believe. It's that simple. We're, we're actually, we're given the same opportunity today. John is just alive, just as real, even though it was written 2,000 years ago. Do you see the relevancy of it? Does life make a difference today? You better believe it. I want to know. Who can say, I am the resurrection and the life? Back to John. Let's, again, look at the setup of this miracle coming. Now, how many of you, as we're doing that, I just popped in my mind. How many would you say that it seems like sometimes God is late for sure, and maybe even really late? Mm -hmm, I see some nodding. It seems that way at times, doesn't it? But remember something. In the view of time which God created, God's time is calibrated to EST, eternal standard time. We want it done for us now. We oftentimes mistake or are out of sync with God's timing because we see it through our perspective. 
You'll see that through this story as well. Now, I want you to slip right into this family, into this family's room, and let's watch what develops. Let's, let's read it again as we go. Now, a certain man was sick named Lazarus, and we met them back in Luke chapter 10. This was the brother of these two, Mary and Martha. Now, Bethany, uh, that little town is actually about two miles east of Jerusalem. It's just right in the suburbs, if you will. And this was a quaint little place that Jesus had visited and stayed really out of harm's way as such. And this home had been opened to him. We already saw it in Luke chapter 10. In fact, in look at John chapter 12. I want you to see this. Now, this is after the fact. John chapter 12. But I want you to see the intimacy that is involved in this family and Jesus. John chapter 12, beginning now verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. Of course she did. That's what Martha's do. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. I, I love that statement. I, I know we're jumping ahead here, but you've, we've read it already. Literally, just a few days later, here he is at the same home, <laughs> eating at the table with Lazarus, who had been dead. Now, had Jesus raised anybody from the dead so far before this miracle? Yeah, at least two times. Jairus' daughter, he came to Jesus, and then a, then, then a messenger said, Oh, you're too late. She's already dead. And Jesus brought her to life. Now, there would be some that say, Well, that was so close to death that she probably was just in a sort of a slumber or a coma or whatever. Okay? And then there's the widow of Nain, which her son had died, and they were in the funeral procession, and Jesus raises this one up. Again, understanding that funerals in this day, in, in, in the Jews, uh, there was no embalming, and I mean, if someone died, they went immediately on a funeral procession. They were buried immediately. Okay, So in both cases, the critics would have said, well, pfft, yeah, it just sort of worked out that Jesus looked really good. This one here is complicated if that's what you believe. Okay? I should, I should finish chapter 12 of John. Do you notice I'm just banging around? I'm just having a, a time. Uh, hopefully you're, you're able to follow. And, and it says here in verse 3, chapter 12 of John, we're getting another perspective on this family. Then took Mary, of course it's Mary, a pound of ointment of spikenard. Uh, do you know how much that is? You know what? She's, she's, got, she's got some perfume. And she's now going to at. Did you notice again? Mary doesn't say much. Have you caught that yet? We've read three different occasions now. She doesn't say really anything. She's a reflector. She's a doer. She's a server. She's a soaker. I like that word. And now she's literally, while Jesus is eating at the table, she is anointing her Savior's, she doesn't call him that yet, but literally be her Savior's feet with ointment, with a perfume that would cost one year's salary. Now, I don't know what you make, and it's probably less than you want, but that's irrelevant for this point. Just take that, and that would be at least 300 days' salaries. And she, I'm sure she was not one of high means, but she, she came upon herself that this to her was a gift to this man. This Messiah. This Christos, this one that she had accepted as her Savior, really, literally, for all that she knew. She believed everything that she knew about him, and that was her way of receiving it and believing. It was her evidence of that. Let's keep watching. Keep watching now. Then she's t a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Now, John is giving some sense of an expose after the fact. I'm sure they did not know Judas Iscariot's character at, at the point of which this, this event took place. But when he wrote it down, it was very clear the purpose that Judas Iscariot had. Then he said... I'm sorry, then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor always have you with you, but me you have not always. He's literally 
he's very close to being giving everything that needs to be given to fix the sin problem, and she, Mary, is anointing his feet. That is powerful. Now you've met the family, literally, but God has really important things to do, especially what would look like in very inopportune time. Have you ever had opportune times that you are cannot believe God let that happen? I cannot believe God let that happen. Why did he allow that? This is one of those moments. Let's go back to John chapter 11. And once again, let's go. It, let's watch. It means more to us now as we read verses 1 and continuing. There's a certain man sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her mother Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with anointment. We just read that. Wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, his sisters sent unto him, saying, Now he's about 20 miles away. That's where Jesus is at. He's about 20 miles away. So they sent a messenger and said, You know what? Go get Jesus. Why would they do that? They'd seen him in action before. They'd watch him heal those that are sick. They had watched him do things that were pretty amazing. They were not only friends, they believed that he would be someone that could <laughs> fix this situation. They were literally reaching out to him, hoping and praying that he could help their brother. That sounds, sounds beautiful, doesn't it? Watch Jesus' response. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. That sounds interesting. This situation, this scenario that's being set up now, there's a purpose beyond just sickness and a family and a relationship. There's something involved here. God is going to be glorified as a result of what's going to happen here. Now, it seems to be a little bit vague, and you see the word sleeping, and there's not a lot of, you know, it just sounds like this will all work out nicely. Continue. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I love that verse. He loved them. How many times have you been mistaken by, an uh, by, by a situation, a circumstance of which you took it as saying, I don't think God loves me. Now, I will say this right now. Their brother is going to die. In fact, he died that day. If you do the math and you watch 20 miles away, that messenger would have taken one day to get there. Took Jesus two days to go. To, he waited two days. And then they went. That's four days. How long was he dead? Four days. Now, didn't it just say that Jesus loved them? Isn't, isn't that what it says? It doesn't, Jesus love me? Why would he allow this to take place? He answered it. For God to be glorified and literally to show that Jesus is the answer. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that good? See, and again, we're not looking at the temporary. We're not mortgaging the future for the temporary. We're really seeing God in its fullest form. What would have happened if he had not died? And they would have never known the power of Jesus. I think of Mary, the other, another Mary. There's several in scriptures. Mary, the virgin, who was Jesus's mother. Now, when you unfold that, if, I don't care if it's an angel or whatever, and someone comes to you and says to a teenage girl, I'll tell you what, there's some really, really cool things are going to happen. Now, this is me paraphrasing. I mean, that word doesn't appear in the scripture, but literally... They come to her and say this. He does. You are going to have a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be Emmanuel, God with us. Her first question is rather obvious. How can this be, seeing as I've not known a man? That's a great question. Remember the answer? For with God, nothing is impossible. I like to remember that a lot, a lot. There's a lot of impossible things that have happened in your life that you may not even know about, that God is working for his glory and for your good. Watch this whole situation get better as we go on. Now, he loves them. There's no question about it. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, verse 6, he waited two more days. Now, that sounds like something loving to do. Let's just hang around here for two more days. <laughs> what, what do you think Mary and Martha are thinking? Gee, I wonder where Jesus is at. 
oh, it's too late. Lazarus is gone. Then after that, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea. Now, for you, that's not like saying, let's go to Sheridan, or let's go to Alder, or let's go to Twin Bridges, or let's go to Whitehall. To this, it meant, let's go get killed. Because the chief priest had put a contract out. You find Jesus, he's out. They've been trying, in fact, for the last several chapters, we found them. He was trying, to, they were trying to stone Jesus. And it wasn't his time. Again, don't ever misunderstand this. Jesus gave his life. Jesus gave his life. He was never martyred. No, no. He gave his life. But the disciples saw this as a... Did you you not catch the tenor of the moment last time, Jesus, when they picked up rocks? In fact, watch watch what they say. It it says, his disciples said in verse 8, Master... Uh, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and you want to go there again? <laughs> What's wrong with you, Jesus? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? And if any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. And if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. In other words, he's saying, Hey, this is God's deal. It's time to go. Time to go. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. But I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Now watch the disciples. They caught that just literally for what they get. And it's like this. Hey, if he's sleeping, he's okay. He'll wake up himself. We don't need to go get killed. Uh. Watch, watch it. In fact, you can see it. They said, then said the disciples, Lord, if he's asleep, he's going to be fine. He shall do well. And Jesus spoke of his death. In fact, in verse 14, Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. That's confusing, isn't it? He said he was glad that he didn't go. <laughs> right? Is this like, what? What is this? Go- what's going on here? You're back to the time, the delay, and where's God, and how does this fit, and the perspective, and what is going on? I thought you loved them. Plus, he told them that he. He wasn't going to die. He said, this, this isn't a death. Yeah. In he fact, said, the begin- at the beginning, he said, because of this, God's going to be glorified, and it's going to, it's going to be great for everyone. And, then, and now he just said, Lazarus is dead. Just three <laughs> words, Lazarus is dead. That's good? How is that good? Right? Everybody in the room, how is that good? I'm glad I wasn't there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? That, that would be, that's a what moment. That's a What? Then said Thomas, Thomas is my kind of guy. He was the one known as a doubter. Remember that? Thomas the doubter. Watch this. This guy is on fire. So now we know what's going to happen. Okay, Thomas, is, he's, he's, he's taking this in. Okay, now wait a minute. So why do we want to go back to Judea and get killed? Because Lazarus is sleeping. He's going to be fine. Oh, now he's dead. So why are we going? Right? But he says this. He knows now he knows Jesus well enough. He's been along with Jesus on this ride before. When Jesus said he's going to do something... He does something. So now watch what Thomas says. This is, this is kind of like getting all of, the, all of the courage together. He's got puffs it up, pumps it up, and he says this. Verse 16. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples. It's like he's turning to the disciples. He's between Jesus and he's turning to them and he says this. Let us also go that we may die with him. <laughs> Let's do the right thing, guys. Let's be killed with Jesus because he's our guy. Now, you know what? All of this event, everything has taken place. Now, did you see they missed the perspective? They missed the timing. It's just a lot like we do sometimes, don't we? We see so much temporary and so little future. We we see so much man and so little God. Isn't that exactly what's going on here? But let's, let's watch. Let's keep going. I can't get hung up. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had, in other words, they took off, had found that he had lain in the grave for four days already. We already talked about that. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs, or two miles uh, to the east. And many of the Jews came to Mary and Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was, how would she have known that? 
Potentially, there was probably a messenger that would have ran ahead again saying, you know, and it's, it's interesting. There's always people around. And to know now that Jesus and the disciples are going, there's always somebody that's a little faster, a little fleeter foot. And he runs to, because it's not a secret that Jesus loves Mary and Martha and Lazarus. That's not a secret. This is very widely known. And he, ru- he or she, ru- I'm going to say it's a he. I don't know if it, I should say that. But someone gets to Martha before Jesus hits town and says, he's coming. Jesus is coming. What are you going to do? Wait, stop. Stop for a moment now. Slip into Martha's sandals for just a second. Just a second. Here comes this person. Is it the same person that went to tell Jesus to come? I don't know. But she knows they sent someone to tell Jesus to come. And she knows it's 20 miles away. And she knows now it's day four. Why did Jesus linger? It's the timing thing again, isn't it? Where was God? What was he doing? What was he doing? Watch now. Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went, verse 20, and met him. <laughs> but Mary sat still now. Why is Mary sitting in the house? What did I say? She's a soaker. She's immersed in sorrow. She is so caught up in the grief of loss of her brother. And it sounds like, for, as we read further, she didn't know that the messenger came to Martha first. Then said Martha unto Jesus. So this is an opening line. She runs up to Jesus, who is coming into town, and she says this. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Sounds good, doesn't it? I believe in you. But why didn't you come? That's, if only. Have you ever used the if only? If only I had more money. If I only was smarter. If only I went to college. If only I... Right? That fits a lot of things. Those two words, isn't it amazing how we'll tack those on and try to make things so much different? If only, if only, if only, if only, if only. Have you ever used them? Sure you have. All the time. If only. She said, if only you'd have been here. If only you'd have been here. Verse 22, now watch this. Her theology sounds fantastic. But I know that even now, Whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Now, this sounds like this woman is actually expecting Jesus to do the ultimate. Right? Isn't that what it says? Isn't that what it means? Now, it sounds good. Have you ever, have you ever really said something that sounds really good that you really haven't tied onto and believed? <laughs> sure we do. But Jesus wants our theology to be who we are, to become reality. Watch, let's keep going. Verse 23. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Now, see, right now, right now, if she believed what she just said in verse 22, she see what it said. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's what's going to happen right now. But watch what she says. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. <laughs> Zoom. Again, nothing wrong with this. Jesus is not, re- he's not, uh, what's the right word, uh, reprimanding her. All that she said is very true. Jesus said under, now this is, this is, this is where we're at. Jesus said under, I am, now stop. When you say I am to a Jewish family or to a Jewish setting, what have you just done? I am. That is how God is known amongst the Jews. I am who I am. I am as spoken. And now Jesus is saying, I am, not I will be. Not that I shall be, not that I could be. I am the resurrection and the life. Oof. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Followed by a question. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, verse 20, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I believe that thou art the Christ. And again, that word to a Jew, uh, Christ would be Christos, the Messiah, the anointed one, coming from the line of David. That, that, that king, that coming king, the Messiah would be anointed as the king, the coming king. And she's calling him her Messiah. Now, that's been a real resistance point to all of the Jewish leaders. They will not call him Christ. They call him this man, right? They don't want anything to do with him. The Son of God. Look at, look, at, look at the term she's using. Yes, Lord, I believe thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. I mean, that's, a, that, that's an amazing sense of confirmation of what she, what she believes. And when she had so said, away she went. 
away she went. And she called Mary, her sister, secretly. And that is somebody telling me my cow's out on the Madisonian on Norris Hill for the third time today. Okay, at any rate. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now, Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. Again, you see the busy Martha, right? Zoom, zip, zoom, zip, zoom, zoom, zip, zip, zoom, zip, zip. She'd met him. She got through it. She told him what she believed, and zip, went home. Calls, tells Mary secretly. She didn't, why did she do that secretly? There was a whole lot of people gathered up, and they, did, they knew where Jesus was in the sense of the religious people. Serious stuff. Serious stuff. So Mary, she leaves quickly. The rest of the group, well, let's keep reading. The Jews, verse 31, which were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, she goeth unto the grave to weep there. And, and again, these people are here to comfort, to console, to be part of. That was a very intimate moment. A, a, a week. It was a week-long event, typically. A Jewish funeral was a week long. People came and hugged and and wept, and it was a very intimate time. And they want to be with Mary, and they watch her leave. And again, this is being set up for what? The more the merrier to watch this event happen, right? And here comes Mary. Verse 32, Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. She does that a lot, doesn't she? Remember, remember the first time we saw her? She was sitting at Jesus' feet, listening and soaking to the words he said. And then we'll see in just a few days later that she's literally at his feet washing and anointing his feet and using her hair to wipe his feet dry. And what does she do now in meeting his... She falls at his feet. You can see the worshipful attitude that this Mary has. She said unto him, Lord, <laughs> isn't it amazing the questions that come and are the same? Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. It sounds almost like a complete rehearsal from Martha. Do you think Martha had said it a couple times around the house? Boy, I wish Jesus was here. If he'd have been here, we'd have been okay. We would have got Lazarus here now if he would have only been here. And Mary says, Lord, if you would have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. <laughs> When Jesus, therefore, now watch. What, now, I want you to see something now. So far, what emotions have you seen Jesus share? Not too much other than the fact it was spoken of. He loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. I want you to start to watch, start to get a feeling of the emotions that Jesus is sharing with us even and with those on that day. Watch, verse 33. When Jesus, therefore, saw her weeping... And the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. He was troubled. In fact, hold your place. I want you, this is a verse that if you have trusted Christ as Savior and you're in a situation, a moment or two, that it just seems like God is... I don't know if he understands. I just don't know if he understands. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4 for a moment. These are these moments, I point them out, because we're not having a Savior that doesn't know what we feel. He has been touched, as it says, with the feelings that we know. In Hebrews chapter 4, let's start in verse 14. Hebrews 4, 14. These are verses you need to have at your disposal. These are verses you need to cling to in the middle of the night when there seems like there's nothing to hang on to. This is who Jesus is. Hebrews 4.14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Let's go back to John chapter 11. Having said that, you can see these situations that he's involved with in reality, that he's right there with us. He saw her weeping, the Jews also, in verse 33, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? 
And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible, says, Jesus wept. Now that word is different from what we just saw. The sense of groaning was an outward expression. It was powerfully strong. This one here, the word that's used in the Greek, Jesus wept, is one of quiet, a very quiet, sorrowful, and he's, he is, there's literally tears running down his face. Have you watched someone that's in a great deal of pain that doesn't really express in the sense of any, any vocal, and yet you know the depth of their pain by watching? That's what that word is. What is Jesus weeping over? What is he sorry? It said he was looking at the weeping of the other people. He was, and what's the cause of all of this? Death. To watch all that death has done to mankind and to look at what death has caused in the sense of pain and sorrow. Jesus is weeping over that. He's weeping over the pain and the suffering and all of those things that sin has literally brought upon the world. Verse 36, the Jews said, behold how he loved him. They were thinking that he was weeping just because as they've arrived to this place. There's another thing I have to think about. Lazarus was a believer. He believed in God. How would have you liked to have been Lazarus on this day? Think of it for a moment. Now, we see it from, phys- from the physical side. We see it from our time. We see it from our perspective. We see two sisters le- le- uh, lost their brother. Let's look at it from Lazarus's perspective for a moment. Lazarus lost as beautiful a place as could be imagined. And Jesus had to call him back. Think of that. Think of that. Keep going. Some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Again, working on the past, working on things from a perspective that has nothing to do with where Jesus was wanting to go. Verse 38, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, take you away the stone. Now, remember, just for a moment, Martha's going to say something. Let's go back to verse 22. Remember this? She said, I know that even now, whatsoever you will ask of God, God will give it to you. Now, here he is at the, he's at the cave. He's at the place. The stone is rolled across for, for reasons that are actually to to keep the body safe, but also literally because four days, no embalming. I don't have to be too, I mean, it's boom, it's right there. And Jesus says, let's roll it away. Here comes Martha. What's she going to say? I can't wait, Jesus. for No, that's not what she says. Watch what she says. (laughs) Oh, Martha. Martha, the sister of him, those dead, saith, no, 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 Lord. By this time he stinketh for he's been dead for four days. In other words, don't do that. That's a bad idea. Don't do that, Jesus. You, you should have been here four days ago. That's what it meant. And Jesus said to her, Said I not unto thee that if thou shouldest believe, thou, I'm sorry, wouldest believe that thou shouldest see the glory of God? It's interesting. It's always something that's very, very important you find in the Word of God. Do you see he's wanting you to believe? See, you need to believe before you receive. You can't receive before you believe, particularly in the sense of salvation. Interesting. Then verse 41. <laughs> how, how, about, how about if you're a Jew and you're just hanging around, right? You've been, you've been watching this thing, and now it's getting really weird. This one, this one that I've seen heal the sick, I've seen him heal the blind. And, you know, there's, there's travels. There's, they had the Jerusalem Gazette. I'm sure it was. And it told about Jesus's, right? <laughs> there had to be people. Did you see what Jesus did yesterday? Unbelievable. He fed 5,000 people Big Macs. And he started with just a little bag, a Happy Meal. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I mean, everybody was happy. And then the blind guy. He's been laying at that city gate, at the church, at the temple gate for who knows how long, maybe 30, 40 years. And he told, in fact, he came over and he took some mud and he mixed it with some spit, put it in his, and he said, go and wash in the pool of Sloan. Now, how many would go and do that? You see, that's another thing. Did you see? He asked, done what could be done. He said, roll that rock away. Did you see it? We're responsible to do what we can do. 
And then that blind man went to the pool of Siloam. He came back and he said, we talked about it last week. Amazing, right? How did the temple people take that? You did that on a Sabbath? How dare you, Jesus? Right? This is going to get worse, though. We're going to see, as this thing goes on now, we're going to see men at their worst and watching God at his best. That's what God does best, doesn't he? Even when men are at their worst. Where did I leave you? I got off track. Amazing how I get off track. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a Jew. I told you. I slipped. See, you've been slipping into different sandals, haven't you? You've been, you've, been, you've been watching this. You've been in Martha's and here in Mary's. And then you haven't been in Lazarus' shoes yet. Oh, yes, you have. Yeah, you have. In fact, without Jesus Christ, that's where you're at spiritually. You're dead in trespasses and sins. You were just like Lazarus, weren't we? Will we believe? Will we believe what God has said about Jesus? Interesting. But now, I want you to slip into the spectators. Here's the Jews, and they're along for the ride. They're there to help console Martha and Mary. And now they're watching the climactic event where this Jesus, who they've heard a lot about, they know that the Jewish leaders hate him, and he's shown up, and they can see the passion. Did you see? What did they say when they saw him weep? How he loved Lazarus. And now he says, roll the stone away. Now, I don't know about this guy. Uh, can you, can, do, you, do you know how quiet it would have been? Who was the guys that rolled the rock away? We don't know. But did you see the importance of the people rolling the rock away? When Jesus tells us to do something, how important it is for us to do it? Because it impacts everything else that God is probably working on in a larger, grander scheme than we can imagine. See, you have a life journey of which God needs you to do what you're supposed to do. And when you don't do that, in this case, let's say you were the rock roller. The rock roller team. Okay? okay? Because I'm telling you, see, the way they were set up is this round rock, and it was on a, it was on a track, and it was downhill so that it wasn't easily moved. Now you've got to roll it up the hill, right? And you know what, as the rock rolling team, what do you think they were thinking? What are we doing? This is dumb. Every, it's, it had to be quiet. It had to be quiet. It had to be quiet. And they take a step back and a couple more steps back and a few more just to see it from a distance. And then this takes place. They took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. Verse 41. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou heardest me always. Do you think he was praying a lot on the way down? He prayed all the time. And I say this, if Jesus needed to pray, I think we need to pray. But because of the people which stand by, in other words, these people that are watching and looking, but I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. This is for you, God. This is to glorify you and literally to put the stamp of approval that I am exactly who you have said I was and who I have. I am the resurrection and the life. This event right here will bring glory to you and clarity to those that will believe. All right. Okay, here we go. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice. And in the Greek, it's actually, he cried loudly with a loud voice. Okay. Now, if you remember the Sermon on the Mount, we started in Matthew chapter 5, and we started working through some of those things. There was probably tens of thousands of people there, and he was up on the side of a mountain. And I'm thinking of how powerful a voice that Jesus must have had. And he put it all on this one when he said, Lazarus, come forth. And it was important that he named who to come forth because it would have emptied every grave around. That's the power that Jesus Christ has. Lazarus, come forth. Now, what do you think? Do you think the suspense was overpowering? Oh, this guy's bold. What do you mean? He's been in there four days. And this guy walks up to it and says, come forth. Right. <laughs> How many do you think believed that Lazarus literally would come out of that tomb? I'm going to go with zero except for Jesus. Jesus never doubted. Not for a second. Because this is what it was all about. 
This was to bring glory to God. This was from a timing position. It looked like a delay. It was a fantastic, grandiose moment because of what had taken place. And in your life, some of those most difficult moments and times. For all things work together for good to those that love God. We've been talking about that. What does it mean to love God? You love the things God loves and you hate the thing God hates. And when you're doing that, there is nothing, nothing that God does not use for your good and his glory. That's the God we serve. I'm really glad that I serve a God that's that powerful, that's that strong, that literally Lazarus came out of that cave. Now, what would have that been like to be Lazarus at this moment? It was a miracle for him to get there because watch, watch this. When he had, I'm sorry, verse 44, and he that was dead, he that was dead came forth. That's exactly for us. When we come to Jesus Christ, when you trust Jesus Christ, when you give him everything that you are, you believe that he is the son of God, you're dead coming forth. Ephesians chapter 2. He was dead, came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a mac, bound out with a mac. In other words, this guy shouldn't even be able to move. They got him all wrapped up, tied up, and here comes this, you know, he's just, he's doing what Jesus said. And then what do they say? Jesus said what? Loose him and let him go. Again, whatever men can do. You must believe before you receive. How many times do you say, if only? If only. Don't go through your life and get to the end and say, if only I trusted Christ. If only I had given everything that I was to Jesus. Don't make those if onlys part of your life. Trust Him with what you know about Him today. God is in control. It's always the right time to do the right thing. Always the right time to do the right thing. When delay occurs, you can know this. God has a better way and a better time. I know that if I was to ask you, how many of you enjoy being in the waiting room? I, for one, do not like being in a waiting room, especially if it's labeled as such. Waiting room. Oh, good. This is fantastic. And sometimes we're in God's waiting room, aren't we? What do we do when we're in God's waiting room? Do we do a Martha? Or do we do a Mary? It's important. Perspective, isn't it? How do we respond when we're letting God set up a better time in a better place in a better way? Remember, God's time is calibrated to eternal standard time, not our standard time. We may ask that my will be done now rather than, as Jesus said, not my will but yours be done, speaking to the Father. We sometimes look at a perspective from the sense of the immediacy. We want the immediate that we can see and not the ultimate. Romans chapter 8, let's turn there for a moment and as we start to close down. Romans chapter 8, which is, uh, begin reading at verse 28, which we've already mentioned. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom, speaking of those, he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's his full, complete package for you is to be conformed to the image of his son. That's what he's really desiring for you to do. That's literally it. That's it. Turn with me as we close to Ephesians chapter 3. Actually, we'll start in uh, Ephesians chapter 2 because we looked at Lazarus in his physical death. I want you to look at a passage of Scripture that was written from the sense of our spiritual condition. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And you hath he quickened, that's to be made alive when you see quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, 
wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we also had our conversation, it's our citizenship, if you will, in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, we're in that horrible condition, but God, who is rich in mercy, not giving us what we deserve, for his great love wherewith he loved us. See, he not only just loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he loves you. He loves you so much that even when we were dead in sins, just like Lazarus was physically, he quickened or made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you are saved. He's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now watch, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Watch Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 20 and 21. This is what we're going to close with today. Uh, if you have a situation of which you say, I, it's, it's out of my control. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I can't see anything that can take us and get us out of this problem. There's no way I can get through this. I'm here to tell you that Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 can be something that you can cling to. Now, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's pretty big. According to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, a world without end. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you. For all that you've done, may we thank you that Jesus Christ, an opportunity to glorify you, the Father, and to bring a sense of the power that you, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, raising Lazarus from the dead, a precursor literally to seeing not only the opportunity and the reality, but the surety of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. After having been in the grave for three days, suffering the crucifixion of which he gave his body. He rendered his blood as a gift to satisfy all that was required of the sin-sick world in which we found ourselves living. There's not a sin that Jesus can't forgive. His blood covered it all. But we must believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Those aren't my words because they wouldn't mean anything if they were. Those are God's words. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. As he mentioned to Martha in asking that question, do you believe? That's the question that's reverberated through literally all of the course of this earth. Going forward even, do you believe the massive amount of evidence that lays before us of Jesus Christ? As he rose from the dead... There was 500 at one time that saw him after seeing him crucified, seeing him buried and to see him living in a resurrected body. His brother James, one of those that literally was his detractors. It was his own brother, his half-brother that didn't believe in him until he saw Jesus Christ resurrected made all the difference in the world. Will you believe today? Will you believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he was? If you do, he is offering everything that you need to be saved and become alive. That's the gift of God. That's the grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, offered through his mercy not giving us what we deserve. What a fantastic God. What an awesome Savior. What will, be our, what will our reaction be? Will you believe? Father God, we thank you again for your love, your care, your support. Father, help us to see time from your perspective. Help us to rest and to be comforted by the fact that you see all, from an eternal perspective. Help us to trust and to believe 
to literally be relaxed in your will. Relaxed in your will. Thank you, Father, for all you're going to do this week. We pray for all of those that are here today that their life's journey that you've given them, the importance of them following through, doing what they know to be right, and to do it always. Because your plan unfolds a piece at a time, the puzzle of life, and how you utilize the gifts and talents that you've poured out to people that are yours. It's so important and valuable for us to do what we can, sharing the good news about a Savior that is the resurrection and the life. We lift up, honor, give thanks, and glorify you, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen.